Don't pay retail for your diamond engagement ring or gift. Come to CleanOrigin.com. Founded by a leading family in the diamond industry for more than a century, we're experts in lab-grown diamonds because that's all we do. Clean Origin, the only diamond jewelers who give you a 100-day, no-questions-asked return on your purchase. Head to CleanOrigin.com or one of our retail stores and mention code RADIO10 for 10% off your purchase. That's CleanOrigin.com, code RADIO10. I got the COVID, it came back, but we're still recording, still doing the 141st episode of In Her Words, which started its life as man listening. And um, I took the Paxlovid, the doc gave me the the meds, it went away, and then it felt like I had a cold, and then I tested positive. I hope to go on vacation to Florida with some of my oldest friends in the world next week, but we'll see. No matter what, we will have an episode next week. And I'm declaring it to the universe. Uh, launched voicelocket.com or relaunched it last week. Already have three clients, big ticket clients. Feel great about that. Go into Texas in a few weeks to make an actual film. I've already hired the, the crew for that. And that's going to be super exciting because it's all tied up in the mission of recovery. So if you haven't already, check out voicelocket.com like a locket instead of for a photo of a person, it actually maintains their voice in high quality film. Hope you enjoy it. Uh, I have done this podcast for two and a half, more than two and a half years, have never talked to a trans woman on this podcast. And I thought it was way overdue. So the first one I went to a buddy of mine. Um, I knew Robbie first is Rob. And so some of our mutual friends in recovery have had a hard time with the transition from Rob to Robbie. We talk all about that and I ask all the embarrassing questions this week. I forced myself to talk with a bass voice. I forced myself to walk a certain way, to act like a man, to sound like a man, to look like a man, especially around the guys. This is In Her Words, a podcast from manlisting.com, featuring one man listening to the stories of real women in their own words. In Her Words, a conversation worth hearing because every woman deserves to be heard. Hi there, I'm Stuart Watson. Welcome to In Her Words, the podcast brought to you by manlistening.com. Um, I first, as I said, knew Robbie as Rob, and I still have a hard time with the pronouns, and her pronouns are she and they. And that's fine because Robbie's wife has a hard time with the pronouns, and she remained her wife as she was his wife. Welcome to a new day and age. I ask lots of dumb questions and make my mistakes, and Robbie is very forgiving, and I am very grateful to my friend Robbie Burrell. Where were you born? I was born in the Queen City, Charlotte, North Carolina. Hospital or home? Uh, hospital. Do you know which one? I think it was Mercy. Did your mother ever tell you the story of her pregnancy, labor, and delivery with you? Many times. 
It was not easy going. Bless her heart. She was in labor for something like two and a half days. Oh, my word. And Were I, you the first? I was the first one that survived. Okay. She had several miscarriages. And at the age of 21, she and dad had just about given up on the idea. So I was the first one who lived. And and one little twist of information there, um, off, off the subject of her miscarriages, on my birth certificate, where they typed in the box that says number of fetuses, yeah, two. Oh, there was another. Ha- there was another child beside me. So you you were a home. surviving twin, possibly a twin. We don't know. It wow. was 1963. They didn't have sonograms, and I, the story I heard was that the doctor suspected it was a previous pregnancy that she got pregnant cl- twice, very close together, and the first one died. But it might That's have been strange. It, it might have been a twin. I, we don't. Know. I've never heard of that. Uh, me neither. Yeah, my birth certificate says number of fetuses two. <laughs> Does that make you feel some kind of way? Yeah, it always has. Like you're the survivor? No, not not in that respect. Well, maybe. It it was the question of, did I have a sister? Mm. Did I have a brother? Mm. And in recent years, I have wondered if my body soaked up some hormones or some DNA or something, some chromosomes. Huh. I don't know. Wow. Yeah. You say in recent years, what about recent years has made you wonder about that? Well, being um, sober for a while and doing a lot of spiritual footwork and learning about who I really am and coming out in the LGBT community very slowly, one step at a time, one stage at a time. Yeah, it's been quite a process. So, yeah, I've wondered. How long were you sober before you came out? I started coming out when I was about seven years sober. Oh, wow. And now how much time you got? Right here today mm-hmm. is um, 13 months exactly. Congratulations. So you had some time, mm-hmm. and then you hit the reset button, and now you've got a little bit of time now. Yeah, yeah. Survived some horrible things and came back. What led to the coming out? Um, step work, spiritual footwork, and... Um, pushing myself to be rigorously honest with my sponsor when we were looking at the inventories and awarenesses came, you know. Um, there had been curiosity for many years and and the need to be rigorously honest with my spiritual mentor, as it were. I felt I needed to talk about everything. So that's how it so started. So your your spiritual mentor then was a man, right? Yes. And there are a lot of men 
I don't care how long they've been in recovery, not exactly open to the notion that, <laughs> you know, sexual orientation or let alone gender would be part of the 12 steps. Was, was your sponsor supportive and open? He was, he was very, um, open, um, kind and loving and, uh, supportive. Yes, absolutely. So the 12, 12 step movement was found founded by a couple of old white guys. <laughs> and so there's a lot of references to he and him and God and the father and the whole nine yards. Um, so help me out. Uh, but now it's a big wide world and we're all learning. Mm -hmm. So help me out how, um, in what is, can be in the Bible belt, a, a very traditional approach. How did, how did you navigate, uh, that with him, with your sponsor? Well, with him, it was, it was just a non-issue. Um, he was supportive, like I said, and uh, encouraged me, if I remember correctly, he just encouraged me to keep um, praying and meditating about it and and to be true, true to myself and to seek the, the, the wisdom and the power to follow the path that was right for me. Are most meetings open? Do you have to be careful about what meetings you go to? Um, no, no, I've not, I've not really had any issue with that. <clears throat> I mean, I might get some, excuse me, I might get some, you know, double takes or funny looks <laughs> sometimes, but I don't remember hearing anything negative if they had negative thoughts, they evidently kept them to themselves. Yeah. yeah they uh, didn't find it necessary to call me out in front of everybody or whatever. Yeah. People have to, I guess, put on a good face, but you and I talked about, we have a mutual friend and you said that you thought it kind of freaked him out that you would present as a woman. Now, I think maybe it did. Um, when, when he and I talked about it, he sounded supportive, but like a lot of my old friends, um, they knew me previously and it seems nobody had a clue. It's only the women in my history that saw it before I was ready for it. Um, but that came as a result of having tried very, very, for years, um, growing up in the sixties and seventies in Gaston County, North Carolina, I forced myself to talk with a bass voice. I forced myself to walk a certain way, to act like a man, to sound like a man, to look like a man, especially around the guys. So... But the women that I've talked to, almost every one of them said, yeah, I, I saw it a long time ago. 
So, but uh, yeah, with the with the one our mutual friend, I, I'm not sure. It's just it, there's just been a, a a breakdown of communication. I know he's busy. So, yeah. So, what was the connection other than honesty between your getting clean and sober mm -hmm. and your coming out as a woman? That is um, a great question. Um, there's a very deep connection, I think, between spirituality and sexuality and gender. Um, when I started coming out, I made it a point to go to some LGBTQ meetings, and I met this amazing lady that I got to know, and, and uh, turns out she told me that she was a bisexual lesbian and a minister. And she pulled me aside. Well, we were just talking privately one night after the meeting, and she encouraged me to keep exploring, and she explained to me, in her opinion, sexuality and spirituality are interlinked very deeply somehow and that for me to find a spiritual connection with a a healthy spiritual connection with a power greater than myself would require me to be true to myself with regards to sexuality gender all the above and i have learned in the seven or eight years since i first met her she was right she was right. They're very much interlinked. I can't talk to God if I'm not being real. You know? And and I had to learn how, and I'm still learning how to be true to myself and be honest and, and seeking, you know, seeking the right path for me. Does that make sense? Yeah. What kind of church did you grow up in? Oh, Lord. <laughs> Southern Baptist. <laughs> did you? Um, but you're auditioning for the choir today in an Episcopal church. And yep. congratulations on getting in. Yes. Yes. The Episcopal church I have found over the years is a much more balanced group of people. Well, they've had their own internal fight. They sure. had their own civil war over exactly this. Mm-hmm. And so help me understand, other than denominations and individual churches aside, um, how did you come to couple your journey in sobriety, your journey in spiritual growth, and your journey as being true to yourself as a woman? It's different levels of the same thing, maybe. Um, yeah. I found I struggled with the God idea all my life, really, but especially in sobriety. Coming out of the Baptist church, and I went off to college and partied like crazy and stayed away from the churches for many years. But after I got sober, I started having this genuine desire to find a spiritual home with a, you know, a church fellowship or whatever. Long story short, I found the Unitarians, this Universalist Unitarian 
group in uh, the town where I now live, and um, they had a presence at the Pride Festival in town. That's how I learned about the church. And and our, our one of our groups and their presence was not hurling bricks, right? No, <laughs> and not, abuse. No, not at all. They, <laughs> they were not hurling bricks. They were marching in the parade and waving rainbow flags and and giving away you know freebies and stuff. Yeah, and and so I thought, yeah, I need to check this place out, and I did. Um, eventually, when I was ready, and uh, I remember having breakfast with the minister. After I'd been going there for maybe six months, because in this in this sexual coming out gender stuff, I've really I've had a lot of meetings with ministers. Every chance I get, I'll sit down with a minister of any denomination, of any religion. Every chance I get, and just talk, like, kind of like we're doing now. And so I was having breakfast with the uh, Unitarian or dinner, whatever it was, with the Unitarian minister, and I asked him, "Do you think I was already in the choir?" By the way. I had gotten into the choir and was using my God-given vocal talents or whatever to to contribute to the musical picture. <clears throat> and I asked him, "Do you think this church is ready for a drag queen in the choir?" <laughs> and and what was the response? He paused for a few seconds and said, "I don't know, maybe." <laughs> He was reasonably confident that they were going to be accepting and welcoming, and they so they they really were. They're they're still some of my biggest cheerleaders and supporters to this day. So, just the basics. What pronouns do you use? Another great question. My wife asked me that about six months ago, <laughs> and my friends and my standard answer is uh, she or they. She or they? Because I, you know, with my voice being, my voice dropped, you know, decades ago. So that, that's not going to change. Um, so I sound like a dude, but I look more like a woman. You identify as a drag queen? I used to. Do you, how do you identify now? <clears throat> do you identify as trans? Transgender, yes. Yeah. Uh, technically, um, if you want to wrap all the... LGBTQ, LGBTQ terms into it, non-binary transgender. Right. Because I'm, I, ha- I feel still there's a lot of testosterone still in here. <laughs> and you, you dropped a little bombshell there. You remained married to a woman. Yes, we did. We are still married. I had a great conversation with her last night. And what was her? Was this like slowly evolving how long had y'all been married before you sort of came out to her i came out to her before we started dating wow to the best of my ability i was i was um bisexual for sure and still exploring and finding my truth with um the gender stuff so when i first met her i was seven years sober and I knew that since I was having so much fun talking to her and I was thinking about maybe asking her out on a date, I better be honest with this woman from day one and tell her everything. 
And so we did. We discussed it as we were becoming friends before we ever started dating. So this didn't threaten the marriage? Not specifically. It, 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 it created a few issues here and there. Um, like and, what? Well, our, our, our relationship didn't turn out the way we planned it. We don't live in the same house. Uh, we're, not, we're no longer sexual partners for multiple reasons. Um, so yeah, it was, it was just a, a journey that we walked together where we, we, we came to an understanding of, okay, this is how it is now and it's okay. We still love each other. We still have the kid, you know, we, we bought the house together and, and, and all of her kids live in that house and, and I don't. <laughs> yeah. How have the kids reacted, particularly your own? Um, they're cool with it. They're they're very cool with it. Um, the youngest one got a little upset the first when I came home from the the first drag queen experiment, <laughs> all dressed up. He got a little upset. It was the visuals were shocking <laughs> to him. So he got a little upset, and he he he. The three of us sat on the couch, and he he curled up in his mama's arms and cried just a little bit. And then the three of us had a nice little conversation. How did that go? How do you do it? I guess there no, there's not a lot of rules for this. No. <laughs> How'd that go? What were you able to say to this person to say, listen, I'm the same person who loves you. Yeah. I don't remember specifically what I said. I just remember his mother and I both were very, uh, gentle and and let him know that we understood that he was upset and that was okay and we just i don't remember exactly the details of the of the conversation it was just a kind gentle you know this like you said you know this 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 person that you've been calling dad <laughs> for the past you know few years hasn't changed this is just the 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 real person coming out and he's he, he got used to it pretty quickly he's he's very cool with it yeah he actually recently decided to start calling me mother huh yeah so, so what does he call his mom mom i found myself curious and if i ask anything that's offensive it's not intended to be offensive robbie yeah <laughs> no, i'm not no worries um, what part do you sing in the choir? Another great question. Um, <laughs> I'm a baritone, truly. Okay. Yeah. But, but the answer to your question is, I sing tenor uh -huh. and or bass uh -huh. and or alto and well. sometimes a little bit of soprano. A little bit. Get up there. But my, 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 my purpose for being in the in the new choir will be tenor. And then if the men aren't singing, maybe I'll chime in some alto and support the alto section. Did you decide, well, I guess that you always have to decide whether to have um, hormones and surgery. Where, where did you come down on that? Yeah, a lot of people have asked me that. The hormones um, were and are my main priority 
um, most of us transgender women um, don't get surgeries for a lot of different reasons. It's expensive. Um, top surgeries, real common, but not always done. Breast augmentation, but now bottom surgery, you're talking about some really invasive, very painful, very expensive, dangerous surgery. And um, I don't really have any desire to go there. Most transgender women, they don't want to talk about it usually, but it's I've done enough research and, and talked to enough um, most transgender women seem to keep everything the same from the waist down. <laughs> I, I have and have had sponsors, but I also have had therapists. Mm -hmm. um, did you have a therapist to be able to process this with? Yes. To be able to? Absolutely. Um, Was it, so I gather you, you recommend it, you believe in it. Absolutely. For me, um, the spiritual footwork in the 12 steps covered a lot of stuff, but it doesn't cover everything. Those 12 steps aren't designed to fix everything. You know, for example, mental health issues, you know, it doesn't fix diabetes, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. We need doctors. And my, um, my sponsor and my wife both strongly suggested get a therapist. And I did. And I had a, a female therapist initially who was very, very helpful, but she was very young and um, didn't have a lot of experience with um, the 12 steps scenario. So my new therapist that I've had for, I guess, almost a year now is actually transgender. My therapist is transgender. So that's been very helpful. So has experience, is not talking hypothetically. Right, right. Yeah, so it's it that has been super helpful, mostly with my recovery from the religious issues. The religious, what I've only recently learned is actually trauma. It's not. PTSD in a military kind of, you know, war kind of graphic physical way, but the the indoctrination of a very limited view of the creator, let's just call it that, was very, very strict, very close-minded. You know, a lot of rules, a lot of uh, judgment. That's what I heard. Shame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, well, at one point I realized it was, what I heard was a lot of uh, salvation by um, fear and manipulation. Mm -hmm. That's what I experienced. So the, the, the therapist, what I'm trying to say is the therapist has helped me to to just work through some old issues, to let go of some old issues and to find a loving higher power that I also, you know, um, am directed toward in the 12 steps.
you know, all over the world, um, there's this notion of yin and yang. In the West, we couple it with gender and sex, which I think is unfortunate. Um, that there are attributes which are complementing attributes. And <clears throat> there's a noble purpose to each of these attributes. And then there's where that attribute does not serve us well. Hmm. So I've asked a lot of women this question. What is an example of a traditional male adjective or attribute that you would say is noble? Like, what do you think of when you think of a masculine trait that is noble? We need it. Whether we're men, women, whatever, we need mm. to exercise that particular trait. But it's traditionally in the West been associated with, with men. That you're like, I don't want to let go of, well, for lack of a better word, I don't want to let go of this part of Rob. Mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. this part of Rob is still around, and I'm going to keep that. Yeah, yeah, okay. That, it, that's, that ties right into exactly what I was going to say. Um, the ability to do physical, um, physically demanding um, work. You know, for, so exa for example, strength. yeah, strength and, and skills that, that my dad taught me, you know, how to use power tools, how to change the brakes on the car, um, you know, how to rotate the tires so that I don't have to go pay somebody to do all that stuff. I can still, I can still use uh, hand tools and trim the limbs on the, on the tree in the front yard and yeah. Uh, sure. so, so I want to keep. Right. I want to keep those. Got it. Now, traditional feminine virtue that Robbie has and Robbie is developing that Rob did not have. Mm. Like, what are you developing? What skill sets or virtues which are traditionally associated with I the female? interesting that we're sitting here in this location talking about it but my answer honestly is my ability to listen only in the past year have i really paid attention to not just listening but hearing where that person is coming from in the past six months to a year i have had a lot of private conversations with a lot of people men and women and i have heard so many of them say i've never told anybody this and then they open up and tell me some things that they obviously needed to talk about it's funny that you say that because i i read one line there's some research that says when when asked both men and women <laughs> the majority of both men and women the majority of men say women are better listeners <laughs> mm. well I, I i i do and it's not bragging if it's true but yeah, I do know that I have become a much 
better listener since I came out. And there are people who say that that is a, a ministry or a spiritual gift, the gift of listening, the ministry of listening. Uh, yes, I, I, can, I would agree with that. It can be. I would suggest that, and tell me if you think this is true, that there are people who feel safe saying things to Robbie that they never would have said to Rob. I think that's true. Yeah. Yeah. I've even, I think I, I even remember some of my friends commenting exactly that. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, I, well, for me, I tried so hard to be the, the stereotypical, you know, all American male. I tried for, all through my teens and twenties and thirties, it was so ingrained in me that I, I think I scared people away because I wasn't being myself. Hi, I'm Dr. Kim, the parentologist. As a wife, mom, therapist, and all around juggler like most of you, I lead a hectic life. And sometimes that means indulging in foods on the go that my stomach doesn't always agree with. Thankfully, Pepto-Bismol provides me fast and effective relief for all kinds of upset stomachs. Having a little too many guilty pleasures at a family barbecue or birthday celebration may lead to indigestion or heartburn, so I always keep Pepto on hand to get fast relief when I need it the most. Pepto-Bismol. Use as directed and keep out of reach of children. Can I ask, do you and your wife have a son or a daughter? Was it the... He's... um. He's he he calls himself non-binary, but he was he was a, a born a boy, and you know assigned male at birth. And how old are how old is he now? He's, he's eleven. And so, are you able to relate to him in a different way, especially since he identifies as non-binary? Yeah, yeah, that was a that was kind of a major shift, and that was only six six maybe seven months ago, February. Yeah, because uh, his mother and I want his mother wanted my wife wanted to have that conversation about my pronouns, and she wanted for the three of us to have that conversation, and and so she brought it up, and then I paused, and then was kind of hesitating to start talking about it. And our son jumped in and, and said, well, I'm non-binary. <laughs> so, so I said, well, that's cool, Riley. Me too. <laughs> Me too. And then within five minutes, he had already decided to to continue calling her mom and, and me mother. So it just kind of all fell into place pretty quickly. Well, there are a lot of places all over this country, but in the deep South where it's straight up dangerous mm -hmm. to have this conversation. Oh yeah. I'm very, um, I'm very aware of that. Have you ever been straight up threatened? Yes. Tell me about that. What happened? Um, nothing severe. I've been very careful and hyper aware <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, dark streets and, and, you know, parking lots that are not well lit and things like that. Um, 
the, probably the most entertaining one um, and, and the one that means the most to me. When I was down at the coast in October, I went out dressed to the nines with my heels and my makeup and some clothes that my girlfriend, my female friend down there had, had loaned me and gave me. And she did my makeup. And so I was just strolling down, you know, downtown Charleston, South Carolina, going to the gay bar just to see some music and, and, and uh, drink a couple of ginger ales and, you know, just have some fun. And I, um, was sitting outside, met some really cool people, and in particular, this one young lesbian. She's a musician, so am I, you know. And we we nailed that down pretty quick, and we were just talking about so many different things, and 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 she just I, one of us decided we were hungry, and let's go let's go grab a bite to eat. So we walked, she and I, just the two of us, and she's probably half my age, and we walked around the corner and got some food at the little cart. You know, the little food cart, and it was really delicious. And we were walking toward the parking deck. And from across the street, some guy yelled something. I didn't quite discern what he said. But it was loud. It was threatening. It was, you know, it was a, a threat of some sort. And she turned, she stopped in her tracks. And she spun and looked at him and she yelled at him who the f are you talking to <laughs> just you know like like rottweiler <laughs> she reacted on my behalf and let him know without any shadow of a doubt he needed to back off and then we kept walking off i was like whoa that was weird she she looked over at me and she said, I got you, sis. <laughs> I got your How'd back. that feel? I got your, that I got your back, sis. How did that feel? Amazing. Yeah. She and I had already connected on several levels. And when she when she uh when she did that, just I felt honored. I felt humbled. I knew I had a, a new friend, not just a casual friend, but a real friend. Somebody who was willing to get violent with some knucklehead if need be. Yeah, that, um, that was amazing. Depending upon where your son lives and goes to middle school and high school, um, of course, nowadays, I think it's, kids or um my son said there's a um you know uh straight not narrow kind of a group you know supporters of lgbtq yeah. in the high schools and he's like ultimately it's like yeah the whole high school is a member of that club nice it's like it's like a, nobody is dissenting there's yeah. there's there's no one dissenting from that and um but i'm wondering if if you have any uh concern about you know particularly an 11 year old going through puberty and identifying as non-binary with a father who identifies as a drag queen and trans mm -hmm. i wonder if you if you have any fear on his behalf 
Well, there are concerns for him um, for those reasons and other reasons. He's also mixed race. Um, ah. And his biological father was a, a very tall, very dark-skinned guy. So, yeah, our son has has uh, we we do have concerns about that. Uh, he's been picked on a lot because he's he's uh, he's a foot taller, literally head and shoulders taller than his classmates. He's a different skin color than most of them. He gets picked on by the white kids and the black kids because he's neither. So yeah, with the, with him being binary, we're just we're just trusting that that uh, this newer, younger generation, like you said, with the high school kids. You know, when I was a kid, transgender wasn't even a thing. I'd never heard that word until many years later. So, this this new gener these young generations are growing up with a a beautiful awareness of the the spectrum of sexuality and gender that I don't think he's going to be fine. I think he's going to be all right. And he's got a support network around him with the neighbors and, and friends and family. So I think he's going to be just fine. Do you, we talked about listening differently and listening is a noble, traditionally feminine trait. Doesn't mean men cannot learn it or can't adopt it. Um, do you find that you speak differently? Um, are there some means of speaking or ways of speaking that Rob might have done, particularly as a teenager or 20-something, that middle-aged Robbie would not? I think really my 12-step my, my recovery has affected that more than anything awareness of um, a growing awareness of spiritual um, spiritual things that's a, that's a terrible way to put it a growing awareness of a spiritual path a path of spiritual progress that requires self-reflection counsel with others you know looking at my character defects and so, yeah, that's that's an ongoing process, which I, I, I suspect has been enhanced, maybe, by my coming out and being true to myself. Um, this is the real me now. This is not some imitation wearing a mask of, you know, trying to be a good dude or whatever, you know, trying to be super strong, big muscles and very masculine. I had to, I just, it, it was killing me. It was literally killing me. I had to let go of all that, but it was a very slow process. So I, th I think I just wound up way off in left field there. What was the question? No, I get it. You've got to, you've got to, you've got to be. Yeah. How a talk has changed. The way I react has changed. Right. And hopefully improving. And we'll right. continue. I've never sponsored anybody who's trans, but I've sponsored people who are um, men who are gay. And so I'm wondering, um, how, do you find yourself seeking out specifically gay 12-step meetings? 
I did initially. <laughs> By the grace of God, I'm slowly getting to the point where I'm pretty comfortable just about anywhere. Yeah. But you wouldn't go to a men's meeting now. Would you go to a women's meeting, an all-women's meeting? Absolutely, yes. Um, and, and are you welcome there? They welcomed me with open arms in big, big, big ways. I actually had two women ask me to be their sponsor <laughs> from that meeting. And did you take them up on that? I told them, here's my phone number. Let's talk about it. Let's pray about it and see what happens. Yeah. I'm willing. Wonderful. The great part of that story was that first meeting, that first women's meeting that I went to, mm -hmm. I had come from church. I was dressed to the nines, jewelry, makeup, hair, skirt, and everything. And I just looked at the 12-step schedule and saw a meeting on the schedule at 4.30 p.m. in the afternoon. I said, oh, I'll go. I didn't look at the details. I accidentally went to a women's meeting. <laughs> Walked in the room like, oh, shit. And, yeah. and uh, I actually knew two of the women in that room, and they did not recognize me. Yeah. I sat down with them after the meeting, and after I started talking, they began to recognize my voice. And then I described myself from the other, you know, uh, co-ed meeting we'd been in. And they both just, their eyes got real. Oh, my God, that's you? <laughs> they were blown away. They gave me hugs like, oh, it's so good to see you. You look great. <laughs> yeah. I talked to a gay woman on this podcast. It's been more than a year ago. And she said she felt more at home in Durham than she did in Raleigh. Hmm. She felt like she would get more looks, the sort of, is that a woman or a man look? And do you find that certain towns, I mean, you go all over the Southeast, you go all over the Carolinas, certainly. Um, do you find that certain towns are more, what you would call gay friendly, like yeah. is Asheville more friendly than Columbia, South Carolina, or, you know. <laughs> I don't know much don't... about Columbia, but yeah, Asheville is particularly queer friendly. Um, Asheville is is kind of notorious for being lesbian central, <laughs> <laughs> the land of the Subarus. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> and gratefully, my hometown right here, Charlotte, North Carolina, the Queen City, as I love to point out. Yes. Um, named after Queen Charlotte. Um, but yeah, the Charlotte. City of Queens. The city of Queens, too. <laughs> yes, it is. It's a very, very strong LGBTQ community here. And I found it in public and regular life and in the 12-step meetings. Very strong. A lot of acceptance. The The difference in the towns that you, that you asked me about really is highlighted, in my experience, with the rural communities. The little redneck towns between here and Columbia. The little redneck towns between here and Asheville. And then, you know, like a year ago, I was in New York City in Hell's Kitchen, uh, hanging out with my sponsor. In New York City, they don't care. <laughs> 
you know, I saw gay couples walking together. I saw drag queens. I saw transgender. Everybody's just doing their thing and nobody cares. <laughs> you can be whatever you want to be. They're not going to look twice. <laughs> so, yeah, New York City is very welcoming. They just, you know. But, yeah. But at the same token, feel like folks shouldn't have to pick up and move to the big city. Right. Just, just to feel safe. And, I mean, I think about the abomination that was the bathroom bill and you were going through all your changes at the same time that politically mm -hmm. um, our legislative so-called leadership was doing things they knew would not withstand you know the courts yeah they knew would spend a whole millions of the taxpayers money defending a lost cause mm. but they did it anyway yeah. and so you're coming out in a place where this ain't San Francisco. No, it's not San Francisco by a long shot. But yeah. here in the 21st century, I feel like, you know, the coulda, shoulda, was can't turn back the clock. If I, if I could have come out in my late teens or early 20s, it might have been very different. But that was a much more dangerous time. So yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm coming out in my late 50s, but it's a much more accepting time to be me. So it's kind of perfect. Yeah. Well, I, I, can you talk about what you do for a living? Oh, absolutely. So you're in a traditionally male role, driving, driving a big truck, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So do you go to truck stops? When I need to, yeah. Yeah. And how work, are you received in truck stops? Do you I, dress I, for the place or how, do, how, how are you received in truck stops? I used to be really scared about that and um, not so much anymore. I'm, I'm pretty, I mean, I'll walk around, I'm wearing two inch, <clears throat> I'm wearing two inch heels right now. That's what I, that's why I work in. I, I work in heels. <laughs> so I'm at, I'm at the big trucking company in the truck stops and, you know, wearing heels and a pink shirt. And, you know, sometimes I, I dress, you know, very, uh, atypical male truck driver look. <laughs> well, just atypical, atypical across the board, really. But yeah, I don't, uh, I get some looks, but very rarely do they say anything. And if I feel a vibe, I'll redirect my path or I'll just jump back in the truck and move on and go, you know, buy my coffee somewhere else. But that's usually not a problem, thankfully. Do you go to the women's room in the truck stop? There's the recurring question. At the truck stop, at church, anywhere in public... That's the recurring question. Where do I feel safest? And also, where do I feel that I will potentially not upset anybody? It depends on the setting. Depends on the setting. Depending on the way I'm dressed, how much makeup I have on, I'll just quietly come and go in in either situation usually and just mind my own business quickly in and out. But yeah, that's, that's a recurring question because I've had guys freak out 
in the truck stop in Texas, <laughs> they thought they had entered the wrong bathroom <laughs> by mistake. And I'm like, no, no, you're you're in the right place and vice versa. You know, I've scared people, I've surprised people. And so that's a great question because which bathroom do I use is a, is a recurring situation. Well, that's, I'm not trying to put you on the spot. I'm just yeah. curious because it, it seems like it'd be, you know, uh, I go to a, a local restaurant where they have two, two restrooms. One says women and the other one says whatever. Whatever. <laughs> yes, I love those places. I was just thinking that. And they're and so they're now admittedly they're not a common restroom, but I right. think increasingly we're seeing the structures of the bathrooms yeah. accommodate yeah. the sweeping changes that are taking place. And so one day, hopefully soon, your son or the grand grand great grands will read in the history books about a bathroom bill. Did those people have nothing better to do than to legislate who can go in what bathroom? Right. You know what that makes me think of? What's that? Here in the South. Yeah. Where yeah. the yeah, bathrooms the bathrooms used to say whites only. Yeah. And blacks only. Yeah. Yeah. Colored. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and now it's just like, what? What were you thinking about? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. hopefully we're making progress. Yeah. Uh, if we, we got struck by lightning today, and the only thing that survived was this little bit of digital audio, what is Robbie's legacy? Hmm. I hope it. I hope it has something to do with sending a message to people who are struggling that there is hope and that changes are possible, whether it be with mental health issues, sexual issues, gender issues, sobriety issues, and hopefully... Um, Hopefully we can work together to just help each other and make it through all those dark struggles. Being a survivor of suicide myself, I'm, I'm trying to find a way to let people the let people know that there is a light at the end of that dark tunnel, and it's not a freight train coming my way. <laughs> Like the yeah. like the Metallica song said, right? So, well, yeah. I admire your honesty. I admire your willingness to take yourself on and to be who you really are. Thank you for that. So, just before she came to the brand spanking new studios of the Queen City Podcast Network to record this, uh, Robbie texted me exciting news i passed the audition to join the choir at saint peter's episcopal seventh and tryon and was invited to go to england in july of 2023 so it was a great day for her and a great day for us and she will not be the last trans woman i can promise you that 
that we will talk to on In Her Words. Thanks, Robbie. I'm grateful to know you. In Her Words is a production of the Queen City Podcast Network in cooperation with Balto Creative Media. Allison Andrews at Andrews Creative, Rachel Clapp Miller and Roshonda Pratt are developmental producers. Sally Higgins at Higgins and Owens tries to keep us legal. Our music is A Day at the Park by the group Pictures of the Floating World. Your announcer is Katherine Smith. That's me. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and take a moment to rate and review. It really helps others find us. If you love us, go to our Patreon page at patreon.com. Look for man listening. One word, no spaces. A small investment makes a big difference in lifting up the voices of women. A huge shout out and thank you to everyone who has supported In Her Words, Man Listening, Voice Locket, all of my wacky, zany ventures. I love you guys. Thank you for your support. Thank you for your support. We believe one voice can change the conversation. Thanks so much.